bola para a área, para Kelvin, atirou, gol! Hello and welcome to another edition of the Portuguese Football Podcast. My name is Brian Fonseca and I'll be your host. The main matches of the weekend, Rio Ave Benfica, Porto Braga and Sporting Estoril, all lived up to the hype that's set up on paper. We'll start the discussion today at Vila do Conde, where Rio Ave Benfica played to a 1-1 draw that showcased the strengths of one team and the weaknesses of another. I thought Rio Ave displayed why I believe them to be a strong candidate to finish on the podium or at the very least uh, in a Europa League spot between 4th and 5th this season. Miguel Cardozo has this team playing fantastic football and they're not afraid to do it against a team that's a candidate for the title in Benfica. Uh, they were fearless on the ball throughout the match. They played their possession style football throughout the game, they passed really well in midfield and threatened all match and in my opinion they were the better side. Um, they opened the scoring an hour in uh, after a, a goalless first half where I thought they were, again, the better team. Um, throughout the match, Francisco Giraldes and Ruben Ribeiro were the two best players from either side. And they culminated in the first goal. Um, it was an own goal from Lisandro Lopez crossing into the box. Varela blocked it and the rebound hit off Lisandro and went into an open net. Um, it wasn't a goal that came as a result of Riwav's strong play, but it was a deserved goal for what they produced uh, throughout the first half and then the 15 minutes of the second half. Those strengths were displayed just as Befica's weaknesses were displayed 
in the first hour of the match. Benfica struggled a lot in recovering the ball. Um, they struggled in maintaining possession as Riwav swarmed to the ball whenever they lost it. Very strong in pressing, uh, which ended up uh, hurting them later on in the match when they were dead tired in the final 10 minutes. But before we get there, it was very effective in the opening hour. And Benfica struggled to have really any idea of how to escape that and go into moving forward. And this match was a semblance of Benfica's win over Shavsh. That game, they escaped with three points because of a last-ditch goal from Sefetovic. But those who watched the match saw Benfica's dependence on individual brilliance from Janosch, from Salviu, from Servi. They didn't get anything from Janosch. He had a pretty mediocre match at best. Salviu didn't play. He was injured in the warm-up, so he was overtaken by Rafa, who was playing out of position and who didn't play particularly well. And Servi was okay. Benfica was just that in the first hour. Okay. Um, they failed to take advantage of any uh, mistakes from Gassiu, who had a bad clearance on a cross and made some very bad uh, attempts at distributing the ball from from a goal kick. Uh, I'm assuming that's what Miguel Cortez wants out of him, sort of what Pep Guardiola expects out of his goalkeepers to be able to distribute the ball. But Gassiu was not Ederson, and he made some very risky passes that ended up in Befica's, at Befica's feet with space to run in the final third that Befica couldn't take advantage of. Now, that being said, Befica equalized through a penalty that, while technically correct and it's an acceptable call, I think it's a foul that happens 99% of the time in the area on a free kick or a corner. Uh, Jonas was pulled back on his shirt and he exaggerated the contact and uh, the, goal, the referee, rather, he bit. And again, I do think it's a fair foul to call. And I think if it went to VAR, it would not have been reversed because there's no clear evidence that it should be reversed because it's arguable for it to be a penalty. It's an understandable decision. Jonas stepped up and he scored the goal. All's fair on that. And Bifika kind of grew into the game after that, searching for the winner. And that's what allowed Gasiu to shine and make up for his earlier mistakes. He had a couple of great saves, particularly on a Svetovic shot, which seemed destined to be in given Svetovic's hot streak after the match. But Svetovic didn't score. And uh, instead, Gasiu shined. Um, Rivav could have won it late. Bifika could have won it late. In the end, it was a draw, 1-1. A fair result. The first time either team dropped points in the season so far. But again, it showcases that this isn't going to be a cakewalk of a season for Befica again. And they have a lot of issues to iron out as they move forward. They remain one of the favorites to win the title. And of course, Riwav is, as I said, one of the better teams in the league. So this is this is a challenge that was expected uh, to be taken to Befica. And given that, one point is pretty good to get out of this match especially given that this game was played at Vila do Gond. But that being said, it's important for Befica to iron out these issues and for Rui Vitoria to sort out some of his stubbornness and, frankly, ill-advised moves. And what I mean by that is, with the match tied at one and 10 minutes remaining, he puts on Raul Jimenez without taking out either Jonas or Seferovic. So he stuck three center forwards and had Raul Jimenez playing on the left wing, which is not where he plays. He almost scored, funnily enough, because that's what he does. He comes in as a super sub, and he scores when Bifiga needs it. 
which is incredibly frustrating for fans of other teams and just fantastic for Benficistas, obviously. But he wasn't able to score. And I think Rui Vitoria just thinks putting more forwards on the pitch increases the chance of scoring a goal, which just isn't true. Benfica looked worse when he came on, aside from his one chance of almost scoring. And I think he, I, I'm not here saying Rui Vitoria doesn't know anything about tactics or how to manage a football team. He knows infinitely more than I do. But some of his decisions at times are frankly strange. And Befica looks out of whack. The issues that were holding them back from running away from the league in the past two seasons are emerging. And given that Sporting is the best it's been in two years since Juzuzu's first season, but even better than that, in my opinion, at least so far, uh, shows that this will not be a cakewalk and that Befica are in a lot of trouble if they're looking for the Benta. We'll get to Sporting later on in the podcast. We're going to take a quick break now, and we'll come back and talk Porto Braga, which was billed to be the match of the match day, but turned out to not live up to the great matches that those two teams have produced in the past. We'll be right back. Manuel Queiroz, em relação a estes primeiros 15 minutos da segunda parte. Olha agora o Rio Ave, golo! É do Rio Ave! Golo, 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 golo! É isso que me fica na retina, de facto, a jogada da Ruben Ribeiro na esquerda e depois ali o domínio pouco ortodoxo de Guedes, o desvio e a bola a morrer. Na baliza do Benfica, Guedes tinha marcado na jornada anterior ao Porto Imunense, tinha marcado também na jornada 2 ao Boa Vista e pela terceira jornada consecutiva, o avançado do Rio Ave a fazer o gosto ao pé, a desatar este 0-0 e a colocar a equipa da casa em vantagem. 16. All right, we are back here to discuss Porto Braga, the main match of the match day, the last one of the three grandes, um, and one that was kind of killed off early when Jesus Corona scored the only goal of the match to put Porto up 1-0 in the seventh minute. That's how the match would stay. And there, while there were no more goals, there was some exciting action. Braga had a good stretch in the last 15 minutes of the first half where they looked like they were going to get that equalizer, but they weren't able to take advantage of it, and Porto came out of the gate in the second half to control. And while they didn't get the second goal, they needed to kind of have some space to relax. They weren't really threatened by Braga. For as much chances they created, Braga had zero shots on goal. But Casillas didn't have to make a single save. I don't even think he had to take out a, a cross or come out of his box all match so the threat was more in Braga holding possession and moving towards the box than it was causing any actual uh, danger to because he just his area whereas Porto could have won this match maybe 3-4-0 uh, 
if they took advantage of their chances. Abu Bakr had a shot, um, a wide open one on one with the with Mateus, but he hit it wide as Mateus came out. Um, that came off an interception in midfield. Um, Mateus valiantly stayed through the whole ninety minutes despite twice having to get medical assistance. Uh, he first got a bloody nose when he crashed against a teammate, and then minutes later in the first half. He a similar instance occurred with a Porto player, and twice he looked like Andre Moreira was going to come off the bench and feature for Braga, but that was not to be. I thought the man of the match was Brahimi. In the first half hour, it looked like I was watching a Champions League match because Brahimi looked like he, frankly, it looked like he actually gave a shit, and he played as well as many people who watch him play on a consistent basis know he can play. Um, of course, he has bad days and bad moments, just like every other player. But often it feels like Brahimi doesn't give this importance to the Portuguese league that he should. And when he does, he is a brilliant player and the best player on the pitch by far, I thought. He was creative. Um, he linked well with his teammates, gave them open opportunities, created some of his own. Um, he had a good cutback in the box to Abubakar that he should have finished uh, on a sequence that the ball deflected off three Braga players and went out for a corner. Uh, Porto looked good, but they were wasteful. I think they need another center forward before the market closes because a team that depends on Abubakar and Marega for production in front of goal is a team that's not going to win a title in any major league. Um, Abubakar is not efficient enough to be your main striker. Marega, for as much of a body he is, does not have the technical ability to play as a second striker or on the wing as the way that Sergio Conceição was using him. I think if you're going to use both, you have to use Marega as the main striker, the one that holds the play, and that's just not what's happening. I do think they have to get another center. I really do. And another big thing is keeping Ricardo from being sold. Ricardo is probably the best right back that's still on the market, and... He has some interest from Tottenham and from Juventus. But he is massively important to Porto's plans. And if he stays, I think he has the right to be the best one, the best fullback in the league. One of the best players in the league. And while he didn't have his best match against Braga, um, there were glimpses of him going forward where you saw what he can help his team with. Those were pretty much the takeaways I got from Porto here. Um, Midfield was strong. Oliver didn't have his best game, but he he looked solid. Uh, get Brahimi to give a shit most of the matches, and you always have a fighting chance, at least going forward. The back line was pretty solid. Philippe and Marcano were pretty good. And Gazidesh was not tested, so I can't really attest to his performance, but he is about one of the better goalkeepers in the league, so Porto is set there. Uh, they do need some depth, and but most importantly, they need a center forward if they want to have a chance to win the league and compete with Sporting, who I believe to be the main candidate for the title. We'll discuss their match against Sturil, the crazy roller coaster finish it had, and why I believe the Leones are the main candidates for the title right after this.
Abraimi, está sobre a meia esquerda, tem um adversário pela frente, dá para Abubacar, joga de costas para a baliza, Abubacar, soltou para Abraimi, bem jogado, Abubacar, Abraimi, o Porto tenta chegar à perto da área do Braga, consegue, Abraimi vai passar, entra na área, tira, ainda mexe, Corona, vai fazer a tira, golo! Jesus marcou na cidade dos arcebispos! Jesus Corona! Gol! É do Porto! É de Corona! Jogada do lado esquerdo e depois finalização com classe no Alright, and we're back to talk the last match of the Grandes of the Jornada Sporting Estoril at the Estádio José Alvalade. A match that ended 2-1 but had two goals called off in the final five minutes due to VAR. The finish was absolutely the weirdest, craziest finish to a match I've ever seen. I was euphoric one second, I was staring at the ground at the next, and I was celebrating euphorically once again, just seconds later. So, Sporting is up 2-1 against Studio. They, they were up 2-0 in the 11th minute. And in the 90th minute, or rather the 86th minute, uh, Lucas Evangelista scores a golasso uh, off a half volley from uh, a clearance in the Sporting area. Uh, nothing Rui Patrício could have done about it. Just a pure great goal to put the match at 2-1. And those at the Alvalade felt that, that familiar feeling of, oh no, here we come again. Sporting is going to bottle this one. Uh, it would have been so Sporting to bottle that match. In the 91st minute, a great combination from Jelson, who had another fantastic match, um, to Piccini. It looked like he overhit it, but the right back managed to do something good for once in attack. Um, and got to the ball before it went out, lobbed it up over uh, the studio goalkeeper who was uh, on the um, Moreira. He was coming off his line and he got beat in the air. And Vajdorst easily headed in the ball to the net to make it 3 1 and seemingly kill the match. Well, VAR comes back and sees that Piccini is half his body is offside, rightfully called back. I have no problem with the goal being called back because. It was offside, and if you believe in Verdade Desportiva, you believe in it for both sides when it's for your team or against your team. I fully, fully approve that decision. You go to the other side, and Sturil wins a free kick near the edge of Sporting's area. Thoughts come back. Here they go again. Sporting's going to bottle it. It's a design play. He Rather than crossing it, Sturil makes a short pass. Another pass back, and the cross comes in. Wide open Sturil player. Edge of the right side of the box. Gets the pass. Controls it. Shoots it right past Patricio. 2-2. Sporting drew on the ma on the match day that Befica dropped lost points and failed to take advantage of that. And at, even more was allowing Porto to come out and win a big game and take first place in the league to themselves. Well, VAR is checked once again. And two Sturdo players are a full meter at least offside. And Sporting is saved. And that was the end to an otherwise uneventful match. Um, as I said, Sporting were up 2-0 at the 11th minute. Fourth minute, um, the scoring was opened through Justin Martins 
a brilliant cross from Marcos Acuna to sweep it across the area. Bajdos probably could have gotten to it, but it rolled all the way to Jelson Martinez and the youngster who was fantastic against um, Stoy Bucarest midweek slotted it past Moreira. Um, Acuna is one of the best hitters of the ball, crossers, strikers of the ball. We've had it supporting it a long time. He and the, the, the thing I am more impressed about him the more I watch is his incredible work rate. He is the most expensive player on that squad. I think aside from Bajdorst. But he doesn't play like it. He is always running back in defense. He's always working to get the ball back when Spartan loses it. And in an attack, he's always making the overlap, always making the underlap, always getting open for his teammates and creating a channel to pass the ball to. 